Thank you. <laughs> now you can press record because I've got my act together. Not really. I don't at all. But how are you doing on this, Stephanie? I've, she got me all set up and then I've knocked it off my head like five times since then. So are we doing okay? All right. Very good. Well, let me open us up with prayer this morning. Father, we're thankful to be here. We are thankful um, to be amongst those who love you and want to serve you, um, amongst those who are coming with all of our imperfections, all of our weaknesses, and we come in your grace to this place where we can embrace one another and, and learn together and move forward in love. Lord, you know each woman here, you know what she needs to hear today, what she needs to experience, how um, she needs to hear you, how you need to be stirring her heart. And so I pray that your spirit would do that here this morning. I pray for the words that I speak, that they um, would touch hearts in places that need to be touched. And Father, that um, just as I speak, if anything needs to fall away or if there's anything that you want me to add in, that you would make me aware of that and that I would just be fully yielded to your spirit in this time. Um, Father, thank you for the gift of friendship. Thank you that you have created us to be relational beings, um, that you want relationship with us. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, if you're here for the first time today, what we did yesterday was we took a look at the lives of Barnabas and Paul and Timothy and their mentoring relationships. We also talked about conflict, and I walked us through a helpful tool that can be used to get to know what's going on inside of our souls. And so if you were not here yesterday, um, that session did get recorded. It will be posted online, so you'll be able to go back and listen to that if you would like. So I would invite you to do that. Today we are going to turn our attention to the art of spirit-led friendtering, so kind of the more practical application sides of a friendtering relationship. If, you have, or if you're astute and you have looked in your... Um, booklet that we made for you today, you'll notice we are not following the plan <laughs> for, for today. I was originally scheduled to teach this um, with a good friend of mine, Sarah Anderson. We've been friends for about 10 years. She is located in the Kansas City area, and with the weather yesterday, she has been unable to travel. And so we are doing something different, so don't follow. Um, just ignore the schedule, and we'll tell you what to do today, okay? So I'll trust you to find the appropriate places um, for notes today um, in the session that we're in. So this is officially talk number three, even though it's talk number two, okay? Um, well, as I am sure you are aware, social researchers in America have grouped generations together and identified characteristics that are common to people of that age. The most recent one that we have the best research on right now are the millennials. That's the name given to those who are now ranging in age from approximately 22, 23 years old to 38 years old. They're the best educated generation that we've ever had with the most earning potential. 
And in her talk entitled, A Generation to Change the World, college professor Laurel Bunker says this. The question this generation is asking do you, is, do you believe the gospel that you profess? Do you believe the gospel <clears throat> that you profess? They want relational depth. They are tired of the artificial things painted for them in social media. They actually want to be known. They want mentorship. They have a hunger and thirst for spiritual mothers and fathers. They value diversity and social responsibility. They want to love those that culture and the church have traditionally rejected. They value art, they value innovation, and they value stability. In an age of online everything, there is just no substitution for one-to-one -one relationships, and millennials have clued into this. Throughout the ages, we see wisdom is passed down from the older or more mature to the younger. The older women are instructed to teach the younger women in Titus 2. We have the book of Proverbs, where Solomon writes to pass down wisdom to his son. So historically, this is always how wisdom has come to the younger generation, is the older passing it down. But sometimes I think, and I think I'm probably not the only one, but sometimes I think when I look at the younger generations, I think maybe they don't really care about what I have to say. The way that our culture values youth, flawless appearance, expert knowledge, it can kind of make me feel disqualified for this whole thing. And I would guess I'm not alone in that. I can start to think I'm not cool enough, or since, all the women younger than me, like they can just look something up online, right? They don't really even need me, right? That's why I find this research done with millennials so encouraging to me. It's they really do want us. We're not unneeded. They want the one-to-one -one relationships. So friendtoring is a mashup of the words friendship and mentoring, and it describes a specific type of relationship that we really don't have an English word for. A friendtoring relationship is not as formal as a typical mentoring relationship might be, and it has more accountability than one might typically expect in a friendship. So today we're going to look at what this practically looks like to live out and to walk out. So as I said, <clears throat> excuse me, as I said yesterday, we started looking at Paul and Barnabas and Timothy. And so the scripture passages that I'll use today here, I think they're all from Paul, but I will let you know as we go. But he says something really interesting in 1 Corinthians 11, 11. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And then he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, Follow the pattern of the sound words you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So the invitation to imitate his life might come across a little bit arrogant to you, kind of like, hey, I've got this all together. If you just do what I do, you can be really impressive to others. And that is the type of imitation that our culture invites us into. In the culture, and even in some of the Christian subculture, it can be all about your platform. 
It can be about appearing important and gaining followers. And as Christians, we can often justify that by, well, look at all the people that I'm influencing in this, right? But Paul has something very very different in mind here. His invitation really comes out of humility. It's out of a pure desire because he's found something wonderful that has truly been worth giving his life for. And I mean literally giving his life for. He was martyred shortly after writing the letter to 2 Timothy. I learned something really interesting this past week. Um, In America, when we say we know something, we are often referring to the acquisition of knowledge or memorization of facts. So I can tell you I know that trees breathe in carbon dioxide and they exhale oxygen. And there you go, I know this. Now it's not um, anything that I have any personal experience with or relationship with. There's nothing about trees breathing that I have personal connection to, but I know that it's true. Science tells me it's true, I believe it, it cleans the air, and I'm alive because God gave us trees right? But this is a very different type of word for known, uh, definition for known, that we see in scripture. So when we see the word that is most often translated know or known in scripture, it's actually referring to an experiential knowledge of something. So for example, I know that Anita Peterman is a gifted and compassionate, empathetic counselor who brings people to great places of freedom through Christ. I know that because I've personally experienced it. I didn't read it somewhere, I didn't hear about it from someone else. I have personal experience with her. At the same time, when I'm communicating to with women about who God is, I'm not telling them a list of attributes, a list of things I've memorized about who God is from scripture. I can confirm that I know what scripture says is true because I've experienced it myself. I know that God is compassionate and gracious, that he's slow to anger and abounding in love because I've personally experienced him in that way when he points out my sin And when I come to him repentant and asking him to change my heart and realign my life to his. I know that the Lord is my provider because I have seen him give us a wide variety of things that we've not only needed, but he's gone above and beyond and he's given us these little gifts like the for no reason gifts that just someone who loves you gives you. I can speak with great confidence in these areas because I have seen and known of the Lord's faithfulness in my own life. So don't let the thought of being a friendor intimidate you. You don't need to have the books of the Bible memorized to become a friendor. You don't need to know how to lead a Bible study or facilitate a small group. You don't need to be able to define the different genres of scripture or to tell what Greek words mean, it is not a requirement for being a friendor. Your personal relationship with God is the very most important thing about you being a friendor. All ministry flows out of who you are, and what is going on in your own life is exactly what you need to give to others. So let me ask you to think for a moment, what do you know about the Lord 
what would you say you know about him because he's given you that, something that you might be able to give away to others? What areas has they brought you freedom in your life? I'm becoming more and more convinced over time that prayer really is the key um, to our walk with the Lord. I think, um, I'll throw this in for free. Um, I, uh, many years ago, I kind of started at the beginning of the year, I would pray and ask the Lord to show me, okay, what is it that you're wanting to do in me this year? And um, one of them, but one year it was prayer. And I'm a pretty prolific journaler, and at the end of the year I sit down and read through all of my journals from the past year and kind of see where the Lord has taken me. I very much am future-oriented, so it's important for me to write things down because I forget them, <laughs> and that's why I write all the time. Um, oh, and I think God's teaching me something new. Oh, no, actually, he taught me the same thing three days ago. I just forgot about it because I'm living in the future, right? And so this one year the focus was prayer. And honestly, I kind of forgot about it. And so when I, at the end of that year, when I pulled out my journals, I was heartbroken. I was like, oh my word, like I've totally failed. God wanted me to focus on prayer. And I didn't do it. And the funny thing was, is that actually God did it. But in my mind, prayer looked like something really specific. It looked like me sitting in a chair, still in quiet for at least an hour. And it looked like having a list of things I was praying for and, um, you know, remembering all the people that I don't really care very much about and praying through, you know, diligently all of these things. Um, but that was not at all what the Lord had planned, and he worked it in my life anyway. And so praise the Lord that I forgot about that piece, and because that sounds like a miserable life to me, is just this dutiful, draining kind of obligatory prayer. But what he really did was work in me a conversation with him throughout every day, where I was really seeking him on, how should I be doing this? How should I be doing that? Lord, show me the right path here. Show me what to do there. It was the type of praying without ceasing that he was teaching me as I went throughout my day, and he would bring scripture passages to mind. And um, So that was the beginning. I'm still on that journey. I'm still in a place of wanting to live more and more in that place. Um, but that idea of being able to pause internally, to have an awareness of the presence of the Lord throughout our day, where we can ask him just to bring to mind what are places in my life that are not in line with the Trinity? Where is my thinking going off course that I need to be realigned back to what you would have me to be thinking about, Lord, or not just thinking about, but how would you have me look at this situation? There are so many different situations. And so I think this goes back to um, frontering is that I think the most effective conversations that I have in frontering relationships is when I'm in that prayerful mindset where I'm praying without ceasing as we're talking and just kind of asking the Lord, you know, what is it that she needs? What, how, how am I going to minister to her today? And so the spirit um, intimately knows each of us. And so when I'm not in this place, um, I find I just like gab on about things that like really actually don't even matter. You know, I'm just kind of wasting time. And not that, you know, we can't 
talk about things that you know don't have eternal value, but um, but I find that our times are a lot more focused and a lot more productive if I'm able to enter into that, just being prayerful because the Spirit knows what she needs. And so when we're operating out of um, the strength of the Holy Spirit and empowered by Him, I think we're able to um, exemplify this. Proverb 15.2, which talks about the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of the fool spouts folly. So when we're being, we, we obtain wisdom by being connected to the Spirit and by being prayerful, by asking God to show us his perspective on the situation. And so when we're in that mindset, um, we can present knowledge in a way that it is acceptable. Um, but otherwise, we're just spouting folly. We're saying, going down all kinds of pathways of, well, gosh, it looks like this could be the case, or it looks like that could be the case, right? And it could, and that could be human wisdom, but what's God's wisdom for this situation? So there is a place, um, I think, of really inviting others into our own familiar with the Father, where we can invite other women to come to a place that's peaceful and restful um, because we know what it's like to be in his presence and we can invite them to come there with us. Well, words are powerful, especially when they come from someone who really knows us, someone who loves us, and someone who's walking in the power of the Spirit. A friend should ask the Lord for eyes to see and recognize potential, to be able to tolerate mistakes, brashness, abrasiveness, etc., in order to be able to see potential develop. We need to be able to have the vision to be able to see what is down the road of who this person can be and not who they are right now. The journey that we go on with Christ is a very long road. In our age of instant everything, we have not had to develop the kind of patience and endurance that comes from really walking out over a lifetime what maturing in Christ looks like. There are always different seasons of life, and I, I brought these, um, these are wood cookies. A friend of mine, her husband is an arborist, and he had a whole bucket of these, and like these are cool for coasters right now, so I'm like, I want some, and so he had let me dig through this big old pile to pick what I wanted, and at first I started looking for the ones that were perfect, and then I came across this one, and actually I kept throwing this one to the side, <laughs> because I was like, it's the wrong shape, and there's dark parts in the center, and that just looks like a bad tree, <laughs> you know? Um, but after a while, it, I, my eye was really drawn to it, and I loved the symbolism of this. And as beautiful as the more perfect little tree cookies are, I love this because of the story behind this tree. So Maya, I'm sure, could tell us all about what is, has actually gone on in this tree itself, but each layer represents a year of the tree's life. And you can see this tree did not start out very well. It had a really rough beginning. It's actually probably pretty miraculous that this tree has made it. And yet, we've got areas of health, expanding health and growth. And as this tree would continue to grow, it would continue to get more and more healthy, right? 
And so as we walk with women, we have to remember there are seasons of life. And so there are some seasons where those rings on the tree, they're gonna grow fast. It's gonna be a great year that is rich with, um, rich with growth and with input. And then there are going to be seasons of drought. And that does not mean that the Lord has given up on us. That does not mean that we need to cash it in and abandon our walk with him. It's part of the season. And so having someone to look into your life and encourage you in these places is so important to be able to say, I do see growth. It's slow, but I see it. That is a really helpful thing. Walking with the Lord, um, is so step by step, you know, American culture, we, okay, you go out, you decide what you're gonna do, and you can be anything you want to be. If you dream it, you can do it, right? This is the message our culture tells us, and so you go out there and make it happen, and if you come against obstacles, you just push right through, right? That is not really how it works with the Lord. Um, if you look at all the great men and women throughout scripture, it is a day-by-day -day walking. You know, when um, Moses said, lead my people, it was day-by-day, -day, part of the day. You got a cloud or you got a pillar of fire, right? That's all you got. It wasn't the 40-year the plan of what's gonna happen. And so for many of us, we have had ideas and plans about how our lives were to go, and it has not turned out the way we thought. That's a recipe for great disappointment. Women, we have to be there to encourage one another and let each other know God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. Just because your life isn't going the way that you have planned it does not mean your life is not going the way the Lord has planned it. He is in the business of long, slow miracles. And we often need to be reminded that we are in the middle of one so that we can press on with endurance. One of the areas that we see Paul specifically calling Timothy out in is his area of spiritual gifting. And in 2 Timothy 1, Paul writes, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. We have all been in places where we have been in the snare of the devil, believing lies about who we are, and as a result, not living free as God has intended us to. It seems here that Timothy was in that place. There was something causing Timothy to be timid and to hold back in using the gifts that God had bestowed upon him when Paul laid his hands on him and prayed. And so Paul is saying, don't let this gift die out from lack of use. Devote yourself to it even more through the power of the Spirit. More and more will come as you practice your gift with love and discipline. Women, we need to encourage each other to move forward in the areas that God has called us to, to walk forward humbly in our gifting, to receive whatever God has for us in that, not with any preconceived ideas of what it might lead to, of um, your own self-importance, because our gifts are not about that. Our gifts are about building each other up and about glorifying the Father.
One of my all-time favorite worship leaders, um, her name is Christy Knuckles, and she now has a podcast called The Glorious in the Mundane. And I have, oh gosh, she's probably as old as I am, maybe just a few years younger, Um, way back before internet is when I started listening to her worship music. And I could tell she just had this, the way she wrote her songs, so rich and deep. And it was just, it felt like a kindred spirit to her. And so within this last couple years when she has come out with the podcast, I'm like, yes, I knew it all along. She is exactly the person I thought she was. And in my mind, we're like best friends. And um, so like someday when I get to heaven, I'm gonna meet her and say, yes, you know, like, this was so great, and, and we'll be great friends there, but probably won't meet her until then. But um, she had a podcast in, this wasn't her original phrase, but it's where I heard it, about how we are to represent God instead of represent God as going in, putting on perfection. We're actually to represent God. We are to love each other the way the Lord loves us. And so this is so beautiful in a friendshiring relationship, right? To have someone who really knows you, who knows all your garbage and still chooses to love you anyway, just like God does. Someone who we can come to and confess, be like, I cannot believe I did this. And we can say, yeah. Let's pray that that does not happen again. Grace and forgiveness is available. Um, One way that we can represent God is if the Lord is prompting you to share something or to give some advice to her, you can share that without um, expectation that she'll actually follow through with it or, or take your advice. And you can let her do that without punishing her because that is how the Lord is with us. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He knows how hard it is for us to be obedient. And so we can offer that same grace, that same love, instead of the, well, I told you this was going to happen. You asked for my advice, and I told you, so why don't you just do what I say, and your life will be better, right? That's not at all the approach that we want to come in. Um, Carl Rogers is the father of modern counseling, and he has this term that I love. It's called unconditional positive regard. And I think this is perfect because I think it's, it's how the Lord feels about us. He has unconditional positive regard for us. It's not that he doesn't see our sin. It's not that he doesn't want to refine us in those areas where we need it, but he really does have unconditional positive regard for us. He created you, he loves you, he knows all your idiosyncrasies, the things that you love that are just a little odd or weird. He made you that way, right? He delights in those things. He has complete unconditional positive regard for us, and yet he loves us so much that he's not gonna let us stay in our sin, but he's gonna point it out in a loving and gentle way and say, come, I have a better way, I have a better way, right? So the ultimate goal of friendering is not to prevent pain in the life of a woman that you are involved with. Um, You actually want this to be a place where she can learn and grow. Okay, we cannot take someone 
on their own journey. They have to go on it themselves. So an important piece of this is being willing to share your own life. And no doubt that one of the most encouraging things for Timothy was hearing about all the details of Paul's trials and how he navigated those with wisdom, how he was able to cling to the Lord and not become bitter in what the Lord had allowed. We talked last night just about the severe trauma, multiple traumas that Paul went through in his desire to be obedient to the Lord and and in following what the Lord had called him to. And so Timothy... Um, you know, Paul was, he, he was human. He had to wrestle through those things. Nobody enjoys being beaten. Nobody enjoys having nights with no place to sleep or um, being ridiculed or losing relationship, being abandoned by other people. It's not like it just magically goes away because you trust the Lord, right? So Timothy got a firsthand view of how Paul processed this all. In Second Timothy 3, Paul writes, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. The Lord rescued him, not from the situation, but from the emotional consequences and from the distance from the Lord that those situations may have caused. And then Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So I think it's important to be honest about our own struggles as at an appropriate level um, whenever we are in a frontering relationship. You know, when... Um, I think we have a tendency, at, at least for, um, at times for myself, you know, I really want to present my best face forward, and I want, I want everybody to think I'm great, right? And so I want to tell you only the great things about myself, and this is why we have social media, so everyone can think we're great, and we never have bad days, right? But that's not true. That's not real life, you know? We all have horrible, no good days. We all have days where we're having a bad hair day. I'm having a bad hair day today. Like, this is ridiculous. But you know what? It doesn't define my life, right? And so how do we navigate through that? Um, I heard Dave Barnes, he didn't say, I don't know if this is original to him um, or if he heard this somewhere, but he said, when we come together in our strengths, it breeds competition. When we come together in our strengths, it breeds competition. But when we come together in our weaknesses, it breeds community. So if you want to come across as perfect to someone, they are going to admire you very much. But they are not going to be able to identify with you because they know what's going on inside their own selves, right? So if we can come admitting the places that are hard for us, the places that we wrestle with God, the places that we just don't understand why he's allowing what he's allowing right now, that opens up so much community. That opens up a rich place of conversation. So there's no need to be pretentious in this whole thing. Um, real relationships are based in honesty. Neither one of you are ever going to arrive. Maturing is a lifelong process. So while we're on this earth, until we die or until Jesus comes back, there are always going to be things that we're wrestling with. 
things that God is continuing to refine us more and more and more on. And it's okay to be honest about those. We do not want to portray a lie to people that the Christian life is easy. It's not. It's not. If you want an easy life, do not follow Christ. If you want a rich and satisfying life, if you want a meaningful and purposeful life, follow Christ. But it's going to be hard. And that's why we encourage each other. And that's why we're not surprised when someone comes to us with their struggles because we understand this. This is what the Christian life is about. One thing I want um, to talk just briefly on, and I could do a whole talk on this. In fact, I have, and I will send you the link to it. But the importance of listening. Um, we, when we started Stephen Ministry here at the church, that was one of the most impactful training pieces in my life, the art of listening. And I actually did a workshop at a women's conference here a few years ago on the art of listening. And so I will send out, I'm, after this is over, I'm going to send out a link to several different things that I've um, referenced here for resources. And I'll include that. I'll include the pastor's sermons on relationships that I did this summer and some books that I've recommended and all of that. But, um, and so I don't have time to go into the details of that. But so many times we feel like when someone comes to us, it's our job to fix. And it's not our job to fix. It's actually just our job to walk alongside and to listen and to be there for her. And so I think it's especially important because if, we're, if you're a talker like me, you can begin to automatically make some assumptions that this person obviously needs all the same things that you've needed in your life at different places, and they may. But we don't really know that, right, until we're actually listening and allowing them to share their story, ask questions, come to conclusions on their own. And so I think as time goes by in a relationship like that, um, I end up doing more talking, but at first I just kind of do a lot of listening to figure out where she's at, where she's coming from, and all of that. And that can feel like when you left, I didn't do anything. And actually, you probably did the very most important thing, just listened and, and to be there for her. So kind of think of it like a 70-30 guideline, like she should be talking about 70% of the time and I should be talking about 30% of the time. It kind of depends. Every person's a little bit different. Um, but I do think it's important to um, ask good questions because when we think and have to verbalize what we are processing in our own minds, it solidifies things as truth. And so we can tell someone what's true, but if they think about their lives and come to those conclusions on their own, it's actually going to stick. It's going to be knowledge that sticks with them. And so it's best if they can come to those conclusions and then we can come in and support. Yes, absolutely, I see that's true. And here, let me support that with, with these kinds of things. So I want to let you know there is so much joy in frontering relationships. And I know one of the fears, as Sean did a little survey beforehand um, of some women, I'm not sure exactly who she surveyed, I don't know that it was this group, but um, one of the things that women said of why they didn't have a friend tour or a mentor is that they didn't want to ask because they felt like a burden. I want you to know that my frontering relationships are the most life-giving thing that I do in my entire life. There is no greater joy than seeing someone 
walk with the Lord, to do hard things, to follow him, to be able to be her cheerleader, to be able to pray for her, to see what the Lord is doing. There is no greater thing. You are not a burden to someone to ask them to spend time with you, to relate with you, to walk with you, and to point you toward Christ, okay? This is what keeps me going in my friendshiping relationship. I seriously, like, I, I would think if I didn't know, for, if I didn't know from my own personal experience, I'm probably driving her crazy. I'm asking her questions all the time, and what about this? And, and she's a scholar, so I'm like asking her about Greek and Hebrew words and things like that, and I'm like, I'm probably just making her crazy. But because of my experience, I know that actually seeing someone who cares and who wants this is bringing her great joy and delight. So don't let the enemy lie to you about that. Don't let him lie to you. Well, our desire to be needed and useful can sometimes feed our ego and foster dysfunctional relationships in this. So I do think there's a place for caution here. We talked about conflict last night, so you know how I feel about the whole thing, and that this isn't going to go rosy perfect and, um, and all of that. But the most freeing part about this whole thing is that you can let God be God. You are not everything to her. You are one piece of what God's using. And so the goal here is not to create dependency on you. It's to create dependency on the Lord. It's, it's to be there to support her and continue to point her back to the Lord. So if you think about a person's life, I like to think about a pie. And this is not uh, a cream pie, but this is like a fruit-filled pie. In college, my very favorite were the peach pies. I had peach pie every day in college. <laughs> Can't do that anymore. <laughs> but if you think of that peach pie, it's got all the slices and all of that gooey, yummy stuff that holds it together. That's like the God part. It's in all of it, right? It's holding it all together. But there are different slices of our pie, different pieces of our lives, and you are one piece of someone's life. They have lots of other pieces. They have access to podcasts. They have access to sermons. They have other friends. They have um, family. They have all kinds of things going on there. You you are not the make or break person in their life, right? God is holding all of that together. So you can really operate freely in this without feeling an extra burden of responsibility. You need to be respectful about where they're at. So people are not projects. No one likes to be treated like a project. And where she is might not be where you want her to be. Sometimes I can get so excited because I can see what the Lord has for someone. I can see it more than they can see it for themselves, and I just want to like push the fast track and forget that it's so important for her to go through all the steps of journeying with the Lord, all the things of learning how to discern his voice, how to walk in obedience. All of those are really important parts of growth that I cannot do for someone else, but I can encourage and spur them on. So trust in the slow hand of God. He is never in a hurry. In fact, I wish that he was more often. I always say, like, oh, it drives me crazy. God's so slow. <laughs> you know, I wish he would operate on my time. Um, 
but he is patient with us um, because he wants us all to come to repentance. So I love how Paul encourages Timothy after a section in his letter of 2 Timothy where he gives Timothy broad strokes on the countercultural way that God is calling Timothy to live. Paul writes, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So Paul has been obedient to say to Timothy what the Lord has asked him to do, but he doesn't feel the need to give clarity on every point, but truly trusts that the Lord is over Timothy and that he will guide and direct and give understanding, right? The Lord is in charge of this whole thing, not Paul. Paul's not in charge of Timothy, the Lord is. So often those um, who come to us for mentoring or friendering, you know, one of the first things is like, I've got to talk to you. I need to know what to do <laughs> about this. Um, and so it's really tempting. And there are times when I definitely say, well, I'll tell you exactly what to do. Um, and those are not my good day responses. <laughs> um, but on my good day, the approach is just to kind of ask questions to help her come to conclusions on her own. Um, if she's not familiar with what scripture says about a certain thing, I can talk to her about what that says, and I can never, ever remember references, so thank the Lord that we have search on our Bible on my phone so that I can find the passage that I have memorized and I have no clue where it is kind of thing. Um, but these are um, the kind of conversations that are really life-giving and, um, and provide so much joy. So you might be thinking, I, I, I didn't say this from the beginning, but I want you to have a friend tour and I want you to be a friend tour, okay? So if you don't already have at least one friend tour and if you don't already, if you aren't already a friend tour to at least one other person, um, it's so beautiful and life-giving. I just, I wanna invite you into that, but you might kind of be wondering, uh, how do I go about this? <laughs> um, because it is more informal and I think it actually works best that way if it's more informal and organic in the way that it comes about. You might just start out by kind of thinking, you know, what are some areas that I would like to grow in? What are some places where I see the Lord um, is calling me to make changes and I'm kind of having a difficult time in it? And look around and see, like, who else around me appears to be good at this, right? And try to get some time with them, see how it might work out. You might spend some time with them and go, oh, you know what? She looked like that on the outside, but she is so not like that. Uh, that's not a person that I want to, to mentor me in that area because that's not what I want my life to look like in that area, right? And none of us are perfect. So you might have several different people who are helping you in different areas because that's the area that they excel in, right? So kind of give it a try. Take some risks have conversations, invite somebody out for coffee. Um, and so it can be as formal as you want it to be. If you want to formalize the relationship, you can say, hey, I'm really looking for this. Like, feel free to do that. There's no rules here. So kind of whatever you're comfortable with at the point that you are comfortable. Um, and I would also encourage you just to be open to whatever the Lord's timing is in those relationships. Early on in... Um, in my life, I, I was estranged from my mom from the time I was a young adult on and then reconnected with her and she it, the next week passed away. And so all of my adult life, I've had no woman in my life to teach me things, to mentor me, things like that. 
And I so wanted to fill that role that I, and I found women that I would be like, okay, I'm going to latch on to you. And um, the Lord's desire was never for that. The Lord's desire was for me to latch on to him. And in his faithfulness, God removed every one of those women that I latched on to. <laughs> they moved. <laughs> and so I was like, what are you doing, God? You know, I don't have a mother, and you're taking away all of my spiritual mothers. And um, so it was really was, it was a painful gift that he gave me, but it was a gift that he gave me because it really did foster my dependence on him. And so be open to whatever timing God has. We live in a very transient community. And so there might be a short season um, where you're a friend toward someone or they're a friend toward to you, but the Lord is unlimited. He can bring you people at any time. He can replace people. Not that people are ever replaced. You know what I'm saying in that, but he can bring others along to add to. And I see like such wisdom in that God has given me a variety of friend tours because there are such great strengths where if I would have just attached onto one person, kind of modeled my life exactly like hers, I would be missing all of these other beautiful pieces from others' lives. All right, well, we are going to wrap up this session here. Um, pray for you before we go. But I do want to remind you that after lunch today, um, I'm going to do a Q&A session. And actually, at the beginning of that, I'm going to model what a friendshoring conversation might look like. Because I think we can talk about these things, but until we actually sit down uh, or until we actually observe someone doing it, we might not be able to grasp all of the the nuances of it. And so um, since Sarah could not be here, Cassie is going to <laughs> just on the spur of the moment. We have not planned this out. So however this comes out, we'll just trust the Lord is going to lead us. And if it's terrible, well, you know, whatever, you'll understand. Um, so we'll model what a conversation like that might look like. And then I'll also have time for Q&A. And so if, as you're in your groups or doing your personal reflection time, jot down those questions, put them on those note cards and um, we will have time for that. But let me close us in prayer. Father, you are so good to us. You know exactly what we need. You know our souls um, intimately far beyond what we understand about ourselves. You know the places that need refreshing and refining. You know the places that are dry and weary where we need encouragement where we need growth. And so God, I ask for these women that you would give them exactly what they need, that you would give them exactly what they need from you, through your word, through prayer, through the comfort of the Father, and that you would also give them exactly what they need through relationships with other women. Lord, I know that you have created us to be in relationship with one another. It's so much a part of how you have designed us to grow and mature, and it's such a joy. And so, Lord, I pray that you would provide for these women in every way. We pray these things in your name. Amen.